0: We have a very special guest on the Club and Country podcast, a special edition as we look forward to possibly the biggest game in Nashville soccer club history. Uh, Michelle Kaufman of the Miami Herald joins us. She has been covering soccer in South Florida since 1996. She's covered six World Cups. Her her time covering soccer dates back to the Miami Fusion, so a lot of Nashville SC fans maybe even new enough to the game to not remember the Miami Fusion. But um, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Happy to have you to talk a little bit of uh, Inter-Miami. Um. So let's let's get I'm right into it be
1: here. It's a popular, popular topic, popular yeah. topic these days. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wanna, well, we'll get to the popular uh, part of it in a sec, but I want to start a little bit farther back than than what has really gotten people super interested in the past uh, several weeks here, at least. What was it like covering the first three years of this team um, when there were kind of fits and starts of, of competence? I, I would say they probably maxed out at competence, but it was mostly a doomed endeavor on the field for Inter-Miami.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was very different. I was often the only person at the training sessions. Sometimes there were, you know, maximum four, there were kind of four of us that would show up. Sometimes I was Mm -hmm. the only one, sometimes there were two or three. Um, But, you know, it was very limited coverage. Uh, There was, you know, there was interest in Miami. There's always interest in soccer. Miami's Mm -hmm. been a soccer city for a long time. So there, there was interest in the team and the team actually drew okay. You know, they weren't selling out, but they had a a good core group of fans that were coming even and they were losing having long losing streaks people would still come and they're still passionate about the game they kept waiting and waiting and hoping that things were going to turn around uh you know and as far as covering the team it was a very low profile <laughs> low-key beat um you know i pretty much would just show up at the practice mm-hmm. walk in through the gate chat with phil neville Wave at the players, you know, ask Andre Edlin how his baby's doing. Uh, you know, it was it was uh, really low key, um, a low key beat. And then on game days there were, you know, maybe 10 or 12 people in the press mm-hmm. box that were really covering the game. Um, so, yeah, everything was pretty low key and mediocre for a long time. <laughs> and it was nice. I mean, everybody was nice. <clears throat> everybody was friendly. But, um, there wasn't a whole lot of buzz around the team, mm-hmm. which clearly is very, very different. June seventh, everything <laughs> changed. Everything changed on June seventh
0: well so what what was the plan for this for this club? if everything didn't change on june seventh if if Messi had gone to um Saudi Arabia or had managed to to find a place that he could have fit staying in Europe or maybe possibly even made it back to Barcelona, What was the plan if that transfer hadn't gone through?
1: Well, I mean, I think they really, the owners were, the owners were bullish on this. I think mm-hmm. they really did think that it was going to go through. Um, I I spoke to Jorge Mas many times over the last six months, eight months, year. Um, he kept telling me that this was going to be an epic summer. He kept using the word <laughs> epic. Every time he would see me, he would just say epic, epic. You know, it became like a little uh, code word, epic summer. He said, Michelle, be ready. Epic summer. Um, they did certain things. They didn't give anybody number 10 on the team. No one was wearing number 10. No one was wearing number five. They were saving those for, you know, for Boosie and, and Messi. Um, so the plan really was to get those two guys. I still was very skeptical. Uh, I thought he was going to go to Barcelona. I wasn't that sure about Saudi Arabia, but I did think that he was going to somehow work out a deal to go to Barcelona or that he would sign with Miami and then go on loan to Barcelona mm-hmm. or something like that. Cause he really did love that club and they loved him and, he, you know, they had a long relationship. Um, but the plan, I don't know if he had made the other decision. Um, I think they still wanted Busquets, you know, they mm-hmm. still would have Busquets, which he's a very good player. And he's made a big difference, you know, by himself. I mean, it's setting aside Messi, Busquets has made a huge difference on this team. I don't know if they would have also gotten Jordi Alba. I think that was more he came because the other two were here. Uh, you know, they did have big aspirations to bring in somebody big this summer, at least one, but multiple. They kept talking about multiple big signings. And and Jorge has worked for three and a half years to get to know Messi's father. They became very close. Uh, his name is also Jorge. Uh, they became very close. Um, Jorge Mas is relentless. He just kept flying over to Europe. He flew to the World Cup to sit with them in Qatar with the family. He just, you know, worked it. He just, you know, he was, Mm -hmm. it was unbelievable how much he wanted this to happen. And uh, I still didn't think it was going to happen. I still thought (laughs) there's just no way, even if Jorge says epic summer, whatever, I thought there's no way That Lionel Messi, the best player of all time, arguably, or the best player of this era for sure, uh, after winning a World Cup especially, I thought, okay, Mm -hmm. maybe if they don't win the World Cup. But after winning the World Cup, I thought, why is, you know, he's not going to come here and play at a temporary stadium in Fort Lauderdale, you know, with no fancy skyboxes and no nothing. And, you know, why would he come here? He could play anywhere in the world. Everybody would take him. Why in the world would he come here? So uh, I really didn't think it was gonna happen, but Jorge kept telling me, Michelle, brace yourself, epic summer. And they only sold tickets. by the way, Inter Miami was the only team in the league in the entire league. You could only buy tickets through July 1st. There were no tickets for games for sale for any game after July 1st. And they they and they did that in anticipation of this big, epic Mm -hmm. summer where they were going to have to change the ticket prices and they were going to add some seats to the stadium and all this stuff. This was all in the plans. They, they laid out everything. They saved a bunch of, you know, they gathered up a bunch of money through TAM and GAM and all these things that MLS has, Uh, you know, they gathered up money so that they could afford these things. They, they worked everything out in order for this to happen. Uh, And then it happened and it was, Unbelievable. I mean, I I was as surprised as anybody. I just, I'm telling you, Jorge kept telling me this is gonna happen. It's gonna happen, Michelle. It's gonna happen. And I just kept saying, I know you want it to happen. I know you're doing everything you can to make it happen, but I still don't believe that it's gonna happen. But, you know, Apple got involved. Adidas mm-hmm. got involved. Yeah. He has a lifetime, he has a lifetime contract with Adidas, so he's very tight with that company. Apple is a huge company and they want to spread MLS around the world. That was their goal is to spread MLS and to spread their products around the world. And what better way to promote MLS and Apple than to have Leo Messi playing every Saturday on Apple TV, you know, so, so much for the free Apple games and stuff. That's not <laughs> happening that's over any game that Messi's yeah. playing. Yeah. yeah, that's done. So, um, you know, it was just kind of a perfect storm. It really mm-hmm. was a perfect storm. And, and I think they had Tata in mind all the time. Yeah. Uh, as soon as that World Cup was over, there were talks already, I'm sure. You know, Phil was kind of a placeholder coach, which is a shame for him because he worked really hard and he put his heart and soul into it. But he kind of knew deep down that that if Messi was going to come, there was probably going to be some hand-picked coach that was not going to be him. So it was all in the works for a long, long, long time. In the first half of the season – They kind of sacrificed, to be honest. They sacrificed the first half of the season. And now they are so deep down the hole and down the basement and the cellar and whatever you want to call it. They're in last place in the league. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're going to have to climb up from the last place spot and it's going to be a long climb. And I would have thought that that's, you know, ridiculous and could not happen. But (laughs) I, I believe anything. I really do believe anything is possible now. I'm never saying impossible anymore with this team.
0: Well, so let's look at that that big picture and, and kind of the hole that they've dug themselves in a little bit. Um, they're five wins, fourteen losses, three draws in the regular season. All of that, obviously, without Messi. Five zero oh and one with him. Of course, the draw saw them advance on PKs against FC Dallas um obviously adding the best player ever is is going to help your team quite a bit but has tata changed what they were doing kind of in the big picture or is it mostly just we'll keep doing what we're doing and we're going to plug in Sergio Busquets and Lionel Messi into that into that system and and just a, a pure talent upgrade will will suddenly make such a huge difference for us
1: no i think tata and again i i was a big fan of Phil Neville he's a mm-hmm. wonderful guy and he 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 was trying everything Now, obviously, if he had had those three players, things might have gone a little
0: bit. He he probably feels hard done here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's hard to believe that they would have an 11 game winless streak with those three people on the Mm -hmm. field. But I do think that there's a certain connection you know that they have with tata you know part of it is language to be honest i mean tata's Mm -hmm. from argentina he's from the same hometown as messi he's already coached messi with the argentine national team and with barcelona Mm -hmm. he's coached busquets as well Jordi alba i mean he knows them they know him um he has a very specific you know he he knows exactly what he wants to do the players have a lot of freedom under him, a lot of freedom to express themselves. Uh, You know, it's a very ball possession. I know that Phil wanted ball possession too, uh, but you know, it's very, very much a ball possession type of, of game now. They're keeping the ball possession far more than the opponent. I think they lead the league. Right now, if I'm correct, Jim Curtin said that, that uh, that Miami leads the league and he said, and it isn't even mm-hmm. close. Uh, Since Messi and Tata and this group joined the team, uh, at Miami leads the league in possession yeah. and, and Jim Curtin said, it's not even close. I have to look at the stats. Uh, so, you know, they are possessing the ball far more than they ever did before. Um, and then, you know, the way that Busquets plays, he sees everything like two steps ahead before mm-hmm. anybody else, you know, Messi is Messi is a genius. He's an absolute genius out there. Then he's got Busquets in the midfield making decisions that are leading to better decisions you know he makes a great decision and he and that person is then going to make another decision that's going to lead to a goal and then Jordy Alba racing up the left sideline you know and and producing offense out of defense from the left side uh you know nice left-footed crosses and stuff like that so it's it's just a completely different team i mean it is it yeah. you look at like robert taylor robert taylor was on this team before and he showed flashes he had some good goals he had some good goals but he's nowhere near the – he was not the player that he is now, surrounded by these players and with the with the confidence. The thing is, Tata and Leo and Boosie and Jordy, all the E's, they they are infusing this team with confidence, with a lot of confidence. Even mm-hmm. a teenager, you know, Benha Promaski. he's 18 years old. He was just playing youth soccer a couple years ago here in town. He's a local. He's now – you know, he's from Argentina – he is now playing on the field with his boyhood idol. He's 18 mm-hmm. years old and he's playing with confidence. He's playing with confidence that an 18 year old should not have yet. Um, Robert Taylor's playing with confidence. George, uh, Joseph Martinez is all of a sudden showing some signs of the player he was before. He certainly had not shown any very much up until this <laughs> point. Yeah. He did not look anything like the Joseph Martinez that was league MVP and all that. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, all these people show up and Tata who was his coach in Atlanta. They have a special relationship, Tata, with Joseph. And so he's been starting Joseph, even though a lot of us felt that uh, Leo Campana deserved the starting job if they're going to have one forward. uh, Tata keeps starting Joseph. So um, I think Tata's arrival definitely has ignited Joseph. Um, And the, uh, you know, the Argentine players are, you know, they feel a certain connection with Tata. Leo Messi does for sure. He said yesterday in the interview that he did yesterday, that, you know, the arrival of Tata was huge. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just these players that have arrived, but that he has a very clear understanding of what needs to be done. And he's a real authority figure. You know, he's got a certain resume, you know, he's coached at a world cup. He's coached two different teams at the world cup. He's coached Barcelona. He's coached Atlanta to the MLS cup title. So the guy has a, the guy has a proven record. He has a proven resume and that is, gives the players a lot of confidence.
0: Well, I think Mexico fans uh, might take exception to the fact that he even bothered to coach them in the World (laughs) Cup this year. But um, you you mentioned just there that you got a chance to speak with Messi this week. What was he like? What, yeah, I think people know that he's a guy who, who basically wants to live a quiet family life off the field. But what did you draw from his personality and your opportunity to speak with him?
1: Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I mean, I'm I'm 58 and sometimes I have these moments where I say, wow, this is a pretty cool job. (laughs) Um, I did get an opportunity. I was one of the few people who had an opportunity to speak with him one-on-one after he did his press conference. Um, Then uh, I had an opportunity to have five minutes, uh, but just five minutes one-on-one in a suite with him. And he was so humble. I kept hearing about humility Humble, all these words down to earth. And all the players said that to a man. Every single player on this team has said that he makes them feel at home. He makes them feel comfortable, even though he's, you know, the most famous player in the world. He makes them feel like he's just one of the guys. And I do have to say, when he walked into the room, and it was just me and him and our photographers, um, you know, he was super nice. He was super friendly. He was very smiley. He was very chatty. He was uh, down to earth. You know, laughing, smiling, being very friendly. Um, He was not at all. And even in the press conference, too, he was not like looking at his watch or like he wasn't like some athletes. Oh, God, you know, just answering the questions and they can't wait to get out of there. Uh, He was not. He seemed to actually be enjoying himself, even though he doesn't do that much media. But he seemed happy. He walked in with a big smile on his face. He, He smiled at every single question that was asked. Um, he was very he, he looked everybody in the eye when he was answering their questions, uh, you know, and then when I got to interview him one on one, I really felt like I had met him before. I felt like I, it did not feel like I was the first time I was talking to him. And it also didn't feel like I was speaking to the most famous player in the world and arguably the p- best player of all time. It didn't feel that way. He was very warm. He was very disarming. He was uh, very humble. I mean, I just have to say it just seemed like a regular Seemed like any regular guy that I would be interviewing, except afterward when I watched the video of it. At the time, he just seemed like another interview, but last night when the Miami Herald posted the the video of my interview with him, and it was all in Spanish. By the way, <clears throat> this yeah. has become a very todavía totally no habla inglés, I mean,
0: as far as I know. Yeah,
1: no one there speaks. Eng- I mean, yeah. Tata doesn't speak any English in the press conferences. Neither does Messi. Busquets <laughs> speaks some English. Albert does not so everybody has to um everyone has to either speak spanish or try to get a translator somehow uh i'm very fortunate that my family is uh, from of cuban descent so i speak spanish fluently and it is a gift it's just a gift and my parents made sure that i speak spanish and it has been a gift covering soccer my entire career but particularly this team where the coach will not speak english in fact. At about two or three games ago, I usually have the first question, and I asked. I started asking Tata a question in English, a post-game question, post-game press conference, and he looked at me and said, Michel, ¿por qué inglés? ¿Por qué el inglés? Por favor, en español.
0: He likes to and pretend said, oh, like okay. he doesn't speak English, but he does.
1: <laughs> he does, but not here, not yeah. in Miami. Yeah. He, and he just... Yeah. He doesn't want to be misquoted. He wants yeah. to make sure that what he says is really correct. And so, you know, mm-hmm. yes, he speaks English, but he's not nearly as comfortable as in Spanish. Right. And Leo Messi doesn't speak English. And, uh, you know, Alba doesn't speak. I mean, a lot of the guys on the team do not speak English mm-hmm. or they speak very, very limited English. So it's a team where most of the communication, the, the the practices are run, the training is run in Spanish. Yeah, The press conferences are run in Spanish. The few reporters who don't speak Spanish are at a real big disadvantage. I mean, because the way they do it is, if you have an English question, you can ask it in English, and they will translate the answer to you back to English. But mm-hmm. they don't translate any of the Spanish of the press conference. So all of the questions and answers that are done in Spanish, the English-only reporters are not getting any of that. And so, you know, Tata will say some joke, and everyone in the room is laughing, <laughs> and there are like two guys sitting there like, they have no idea what's being said. And I feel bad for them. I really do. But, hey, I'm going to use it to my advantage. You know, I mean, I do speak Spanish, so I laugh along mm-hmm. with everybody else. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a very, very Spanish-speaking team. Uh, the fan base is also largely Hispanic, not all, but largely. Um, and so, you know, some of the social media, some of the, you know, the chants, uh, the press conferences, the training, it's it's all in Spanish. And, mm-hmm. and that was really always the that was always the MLS idea for this team dating back to the Miami fusion. Um, I was here in 1996, you know, 97 when they were launching that team and the idea all along was that this was going to be a team in the urban Miami core in the core of, you know, inner Miami. And it was going to be a Spanish speaking Latin team that was going to be the team that would reach into Latin America. So the idea from MLS was they wanted to have Miami be the team that all the Latin Americans would adopt as their second team, as their MLS team. Like everyone knows that if you're from Argentina or you're from Colombia or you're from Brazil, you're from anywhere down there, Peru, you're going to follow your teams, your local teams Mm -hmm. and your players in Europe. But the idea was that those fans would adopt the Miami fusion to be their MLS team because they love Miami. They love to travel to Miami. They had Carlos Valderrama, El Pibe as the main DP at that time, you know, as the main big player, big profile player. The coach that they hired was from Argentina, uh, Cordoba. Carlos Cordoba was the coach. So he was from Argentina. He spoke not a word of English. So that was the idea when they launched that team was this is going to be a team with a Spanish-speaking coach, spanish speaking star players, and it's going to extend the tentacles of the league into Latin America. That has always been the intention of the league for this team. And so even though David Beckham, who's an Englishman, is the guy who really brought this team back in 2014, the idea was still, this is going to be a Latin team. And that's where I think, you know, Phil Newell could only go so far with the dreams that they had for this team, because this was going to be, if they were going to get Messi, Busquets and Alba, it was pretty certain that they were going to get a coach that Messi picked, you know, or a coach that, that they all approved Mm -hmm. of and would be comfortable with. And so, so that's where we are. It's, it's really interesting. I've never in all my years of 35 years of sports writing, I've never seen so much excitement for a last place team uh, Mm -hmm. in any sport ever. I mean, this is still the last place team on paper. If you look at the MLS standings, Inter Miami is dead last, but they're not playing yeah. like a last place team. And if I were any other team in the league right now, I'd be I'd be very nervous.
0: Yeah. So now that Miami has qualified for next year's CONCACAF Champions Cup, this is the first time I have successfully not called it CONCACAF Champions League uh, in an interview. Um, how will they view the rest of the the regular season now that um, they don't need to make the playoffs to make it to the, to continental competition? or similarly is there a sense that they'll let off the gas in the last couple of games of the US Open Cup especially since the primary you know carrot for that one is making the the CCC um how are they going to approach the rest of the season after Saturday's match
1: I don't think they're going to take the foot off the pedal I mean I can just tell by the way Messi is and and if you see how intense he is in these games and Busquets and Alba too but you're looking at a guy who could be coasting if he wanted to. Yeah. Uh, you know, when Gonzalo Higuain came in, um, he came in out of shape. He thought it was going to be easier. He didn't play with the intensity that he needed yeah. to. It he thought he'd be smoking a
0: cigarette on the sidelines. Yeah.
1: He tried to be smoking <laughs> a cigarette on the sideline. It was about a year, a year and a half before he mm-hmm. got into, you know, got into, got himself into gear. Yeah. Um, Messi is he's really intense. I mean, he wants to he wants to win. And you see him out there. I mean, when I saw that that the second game, he in the first game, he came in and then he scored that free kick. That was very yep. exciting and dramatic. The second game, when he started, he played 78 minutes. I, I That's when I knew. I said, this guy's playing 78 minutes in the heat and humidity, record heat and humidity, even for Miami. Temperatures in the 90s, humidity that you were just soaked to the bone, you know, 10 minutes into the game. He wanted to stay in the game. He did not want to come out. He wants to play. He plays 90 minutes whenever he can. And you could just see in the game the other day when the Philadelphia guys were getting into it with David Ruiz, uh, you know, the the 20-year-old kid from from Miami, Messi is the first one who went in there and was in their face, like get out, you know, like jawing with them. Uh, You know, he's not just, he's not here for vacation He's not here to pick up a paycheck. He really, really, really wants to win. And, uh, they, they do want to make the playoffs. I know it seems maybe impossible to be 12 points out and that far down. Um, but they, I don't think they're going to let up. I think they're going to be full steam ahead from now until October.
0: And I guess beyond even the end of this regular season, you know, you mentioned that he didn't certainly didn't come in treating it like a, like a retirement league, like, a. Uh, for example, Gonzalo Higuain, how does he see his future playing out here? Does does he plan to retire as a member of IMCF? Is he a guy who is going to be here here for a couple of years and maybe make it back to Europe? Um, has he even really thought about that? He's just kind of focused on on going out and and banging incredible free kicks every match. What is what is kind of Messi's and the club's kind of view for Messi's time with this team?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he he has a contract for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, that will take them, you know, their new stadium is, I think his idea and the, the, and the owner's idea is he's here two and a half years. That's what he's contracted for. Um, the new stadium is supposed to open in 2025. You know, that's, that's two Mm -hmm. years away, two and a half years away. I think the idea is that he stays here and christens the stadium. Um, he is going to be, uh, part of his deal, part of his contract Is that he has equity in the team upon retirement? Once he leaves, he will have equity in the team. And um, I would think that also would mean equity in the stadium as well. I think probably he'd be involved with ownership of the stadium, definitely ownership of the team. Um, I don't see him going anywhere else, to be honest. I see him, uh, you know, I see him playing in Miami. He really loves Miami. He talked about it yesterday. He loves the vibe here. He has. A lot of friends here. He he used to vacation here. I mean, he's very comfortable here. I could see him being here for two and a half years. Uh, The Copa America is in the United States next summer. You know, and he, you know, Miami will definitely, I'm I'm assuming, you know, Miami will host games. Um, So he'll be here in the United States for that. And then he'll play another season of MLS. And then maybe he christens the stadium and it's a really big deal. And then 2026 is the big decision. Like, you know, is he still going to play in the next world cup? Is he not, or is he just going to retire altogether? Uh, you know, at the end of that IMCF season, um, I don't know, but I don't see him. I don't see him going, but see, I didn't see him coming here either. So who
0: knows, but (laughs) do
1: some, some farewell tour in Barcelona. You know, I'm sure there'll be some kind of farewell game or some kind of, uh, something in Barcelona. I've heard some talk about, you know, maybe, uh, Inter-Miami plays a game against Barcelona and they honor Messi or something like Mm -hmm. that, you know? Uh, But I don't know. I mean, I think it's possible that he could end his career here. I really do. He seems very, Mm -hmm. you know, they're looking to buy a home. They're not looking to rent, you know, they're looking to buy a home. Uh, He has going to have equity in the team. They're going to have a new stadium. Uh, The world cup is going to be here in the United States. So I'm sure that he will be involved in the world cup, if not as a player, He will be a massive ambassador for this World Cup. Uh, You know, he has so many sponsors who are going to be big sponsors for the World Cup. And if he's already been on U.S. soil for two and a half years, three years, uh, you know, he's going to be very familiar with with the American with corporate America. So Mm -hmm. um, I think he's kind of making himself at home. I really do. I I don't think Mm -hmm. this is just a one off. I think he's making himself at home here.
0: And so we've talked a lot about kind of the big picture for Leo Messi. Let's take it all the way back uh, to tomorrow evening's game at the time of recording. Uh, Miami has not lost with with Busquets and Messi in the lineup. What is it going to take for Nashville or over the course of the remainder of the regular season and the U.S. Open Cup? What is it going to take for a team to beat Miami? Are there weaknesses now that they have this upgrade and again, the best player to ever play the game and then probably one of the best uh, guys to ever see the game in Busquets?
1: I don't know what I would do if I were an <laughs> opponent. I mean, I have the utmost respect for Jim Curtin. I think Jim Curtin is one of the best coaches in MLS. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's a really smart guy. And he had a game plan. And his game plan was to cut off Busquets. I mean, that was a big part of his game plan was to cut off Busquets and cut off that pass that leads to the pass. Um, it didn't happen. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he had all good intentions. He, I'm yeah. sure he prepared his team. They had a plan and then Joseph Martinez scores in the third minute, <clears throat> which is not what they expected. And then when Messi scored that goal from distance to make it 2 0, it was just like if you're him, you could even see Jim Curtin's face on the sideline. It was almost like, oh, okay, wow, this this is for real. Like I think every team that goes out there is thinking into themselves, we're gonna be the team we're going to be the one who's going to end this you know this is like this you know they're they're like taking a stroll through the park here of this league and we are going to prove that we're going to beat them um but to do that with those three players on the field if all three of those guys are on the field uh that's a really tough ask that's a really really tough ask and you know Jim Curtin kept talking about Busquets being a key, and that's true. Bus- a lot of the – all the goals that they've had so far, almost every single one, or maybe every one, or at least everyone but one maybe, went through Busquets at some point. Busquets touched the ball just before or two passes before. Um, so, you know, he's obviously a key. You want to focus on him and cut him off. But, you know, how do you cover Messi? I mean, how do you – Whoever thought if you're the guy who's covering him when he's 30 yards out, do you really think he's going to take that shot? (laughs) Who thinks that he's going to launch a shot from right there? Nobody. Mm -hmm. So he's what Ray Hudson said on my podcast the other day. We have a a Miami Herald podcast that I'm doing now, by the way. Another way my life has changed
0: since (laughs) Leo
1: Messi came. I now have a weekly podcast called Inside Inter Miami for those of you interested uh, in this team and in Messi, Inside Inter Miami. And uh, I had Ray Hudson as, as a guest who was fantastic yesterday's episode. You've got to listen to it. Um, but he said, what to expect from Messi is the unexpected, you know, expect the unexpected. Um, and that's, what's hard for an opposing team is that he's not like a regular player. He's not like any normal human. He's, he's, he's a different level. He just sees the game at a different level. He has skills at a different level. He, 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 Andre Blake, who's a really good international goalkeeper, leans just a little bit to the right and Messi, from that distance. sees an opening on the left side of that corner and nails it and just nails it. And if he's one or two inches off, which is what anybody else would have been, if they were taking that shot, it would have gone up. It would have gone over left, right. It went right. It went right in the corner. So um, I would not want to be Nashville tomorrow night. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, you're going to have the home field. You know, you will have the home field, but that's another thing. There are a lot of messy fans out there. We've seen it. We saw it in Dallas and we saw it at Philadelphia. Uh, yes, the home team, the home crowd was rooting for the home team, but there were a lot of people also wearing Argentina shirts. Yeah. They weren't maybe wearing Inter-Miami shirts because that would be really <laughs> rude to wear an Inter-Miami shirt if you're a Nashville fan or you're a Dallas fan or you're a Philly fan. But a lot of fans felt comfortable wearing that blue and white Argentina number 10. Maybe they felt they weren't quite, you know, cheating on their local team if they're wearing the Argentina shirt, because it's not an MLS shirt. There are a lot of people who are going to be there to watch Messi. A lot of these Mm -hmm. people that are paying these overpriced prices for these tickets, they are doing that to watch Messi. They're not doing that because they're just so in love with Nashville or Mm -hmm. Philly or Dallas they're there because everybody wants to see Messi in person. Everyone wants to see him the best player in person. It's a rare opportunity. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how loud will those fans be, or will they be drowned out by the, by the uh, Nashville fans? You know, will it be a true home field advantage for Nashville or will it be kind of, you know, one third, you know, Mm -hmm. one third and one third or something. Um, I don't know it's it's gonna be interesting i you know I'm, I'm going there i'm flying up tomorrow so i'll be at the game um i've never covered a game there before so i'm looking forward to it and, and it's Netflix awesome great you're gonna town. enjoy it yeah i'm sure it'll be i'm sure it'll be very enjoyable although nine o'clock start for me is not great for my deadline <laughs> uh but um anyway yeah i'm looking forward to it it should be it should be a lot of fun that's for sure
0: all right well michelle Kaufman, who has been covering soccer in south florida uh since the miami fusion days so uh maybe uh maybe the first couple of years of inter miami reminded you a little bit more of that than, than so far uh these past six games but uh, you can find her on twitter at cough sports that's k-a-u-f sports uh, miamiherald.com obviously follow her podcast inside inter miami as she mentioned there michelle thank you so much for joining us really appreciate it